Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peacebuilders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to their communities. Eavesdrop into their conversations and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and their hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, and Dina Zaman, a Malaysian journalist and co-founder of Iman Research. This is She Talks Peace. Hello, everyone around the world. Welcome to She Talks Peace and a special hello to our new listeners. Dina, we have listeners now from Saudi yeah. Arabia, the this Emirates, Iran, Mozambique, and South Africa. Remember when, uh, when we started, we had the majority of the listeners, of course, were from the Philippines. Yes. And uh, we had like 7-6% from the United States. And I suppose yes. those are also mostly Filipinos, uh, thanks to Podcast Network Asia. And we had like 2-3% uh, Malaysia. Oh, so wow. that yes. was in August, Dina. I but now, now we have expanded. So hello to everyone uh, joining okay. us. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy from Manila and my lovely co-host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi everyone, Salam from Kuala Lumpur. This is Dina from Iman Research Malaysia. I'm your co-host for today. Dina, aren't you excited that She Talks yes. Peace has, uh, has expanded? We're now being listened to in the Middle East and Africa. I, I forgot to tell you, we also have listeners from Nepal. Whoa. Wow. This was yeah. recent. Yeah. Nepal and Bulgaria. Wow. I, can't, I can't believe it. Bulgaria. Whoa. And now I'm waiting for my sunset. If you get listeners from Antarctica, mom, I'm going to be really <laughs> amazed. That's what my son said. <laughs> so I, was, I was telling my family about, uh, about that uh, over dinner, and uh-huh. uh, they decided to count the number of countries, 37 countries. Wow. So, I mean, we started around May, June, didn't we? We started and taping. Our first yeah. release was August 8th, ASEAN Day. So you just imagine in about six months? Less. Yes, Alhamdulillah, yeah. here we are. I mean, Amina, this makes me really happy because I don't know whether you've read our papers, right? COVID is spiking up again and we've got yeah. cholera now. So yeah. this news makes me really, really happy. I'm <laughs> glad. I'm glad. Dina. There are good things happening. 
But I really cannot believe that uh, a country as rich as uh, Malaysia would have a resurgence of, of cholera because cholera is linked with um, what a bad uh, water system. So that's uh, that, 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 that's pretty amazing uh, for me. So you really have to do something about your government the election coming up. I'm telling you, Dina, you have to run. You have I don't to want run to. for parliament. I can't even cope with a PhD right now. And, you know, like a lot of friends, I was saying to a few friends also that they should become MPs and all. And, you know, the sad thing is, I mean, a lot of my friends, the young ones, the ones who are my age, older, they're all saying, you know, we've just given up. We'll just do what we can at home. We've got bread and butter issues. I will just leave it to them. We just want to survive. And I felt really sad that we've come to this. Yeah, but uh, think about it, Dina. It's more yeah. difficult to do a PhD than to be an elected member of. Uh, uh, I think easier. <laughs> I mean, I know that there are many who you know, really work hard. My mom was uh, was one of them, um, but you know, we have uh, members of our Congress and Senate who I don't think anybody would miss if. Uh, if they weren't there, so so that's uh, that's that's the way it goes here in the Philippines and in Malaysia too, I suspect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But anyway, Amina, let's not talk about my country. You know, <laughs> um, about the Philippines. You know, I need a break from Malaysia. So, please, what's happening in your knee, in the neck of the woods? <laughs> uh, well, uh, so far so good. Uh, my eldest son who's a techie, he calls himself a geek entrepreneur. Uh, okay. So he and his wife uh, went to the U.S. Okay. Um, meeting with investors. Oh, and um, this, is, this is an interesting thing. Going there, the plane was full. I mean, really full. But right. coming back via California, there were only six of them on the entire plane. Oh, so they could, you know, it's like one person for four rows. So they had, you know, <laughs> they, I think there were more attendants than there were, than there were passengers. So it's really quite, quite funny. But the, the, this, the, this is the good thing that can make you feel better. It yeah. seems, uh, based uh -huh. on uh, my son's feedback, mm -hmm. There's a lot of money, ventures oh. capital, looking uh -huh. for good uh, enterprises in the tech field. Okay. So my, my son uh, uh -huh. and his uh, group were able to take advantage of that. And they're so tremendously excited because they're major um, corporations and uh, venture capitalists who are making bids to you know to be part of uh, of their little firm so uh -huh. not bad dina so you know okay. that's uh, that's the positive thing happening to me yeah i mean business has to go on life has to go on we just have to be very very careful you know i mean now yeah. i was talking to a doctor friend and she said look at the spanish flu the plague and all it took a few years and then you know we had medicines so anyway, look, let's not talk about depressing things. I know that you've got someone really, really <laughs> interesting. 
uh, to, to, to interview today. So over to you, to Amina. Yeah. Uh, yeah th things are good. Things get, you know, we, have, we have our ups and downs. Yeah. And uh, one of the upside, it uh -huh. looks like um, the Philippines, uh, several organizations um, are joining a global campaign to end gender-based violence. But, uh -huh. uh, and, and the UN has already declared its support. They've started a movement to end uh, violence. But guess who started this entire campaign? Civil oh. society. Fantastic. As always. And, as yeah. always. So civil society started it uh, several years ago. So the UN, uh, because of the clamor of civil society, have gone uh, and uh, supported it. Um, they, it's called the United Nations Secretary Generals Unite by 2030 to End Violence Against Women. And it calls for global actions to increase awareness, galvanize advocacy efforts and share knowledge and, in, and innovations. And the theme is Orange the World oh, and Violence right. Against Women Now. Orange right. you glad, Dina? Oh, that's, that's, a, that, that's, a, that's a joke. Oh, My sorry, I didn't get it. Sorry, when, sorry, when, they, the when, they were, when they were little, Orange you glad? <laughs> Ah, aren't you glad? Okay, yeah. duh. <laughs> duh. <laughs> All right. But, you know, I did a little research on um, violence against women because as peace builders, this is an important um, issue as well. The more conflict there is, especially in this time of pandemic, the higher the violence against uh, women. But... Um, I was surprised with what I found out. We have um, a statistics agency, the a government agency called the Philippine Statistical Authority. And in their 2018 report, they said that Muslim women in the Philippines have had the least experience of all types of violence of oh. ever married yeah ever married females 15 to uh, to 49 as compared yeah. with cases recorded in other philippine regions what do you think about that oh wow i mean this definitely right goes against the public perception that it's always yeah. passive for being abused so yep it's very interesting yeah because they they when they think muslim women they think um afghanistan uh, they think of the suffering of women, for instance, um, in the Middle East and North Africa. But as it turns mm -hmm. out, according to the Philippine Statistical Authority, in yeah. Muslim Mindanao, only 5.3% of women had experienced emotional violence. 2.3% experienced physical violence. And only 1% experienced sexual violence. In the north, much higher. So I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, it's changed a bit with the rise of uh, because of the pandemic and um, the the problems we had in Marawi and uh, and other places. So I wish the statistical authority would uh, do another survey and 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 check it out. Gosh. 
you know, uh, Amina, you were mentioning about our guests, right? Um, do you think you want to, can we just get her over right now? Uh, because I think she's an activist and she's very involved in the Marawi rehabilitation. I think it's attorney Anna Tarhata S. Basman, who was appointed member of parliament in 2019. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is what I googled, yeah? Uh, she had already, already served the Bangsamoro in various capacities as legal chief of the government negotiating panel for talks to the Moro Islamic Liberation Front. Mm -hmm. She was also the deputy executive director of the National Commission on Muslim Filipinos and as legal consultant of the Bangsa Moro Transition Commission. Wow, this mm -hmm. is impressive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and in parliament, Piana is the chair of the Committee on Accounts, vice chair of the Special Committee on Marawi, and concurrently the chair of the Subcommittee on the Marawi Rehabilitation. Ooh, she's also the program manager of the newly created BARMM, -B -A uh, MRP Program Management Office, one of the flagship programs of the Office of the Chief Minister. So, Salam, welcome to She Talks Peace, MP Anna Basman. Wa alaikum salam, Dina, Tita Amina. Thank you for having me in She Talks Peace. And congratulations on the expanded listenership. Thank you, MP Anna. I mean, it, it's, it's really thrilling to, you know, to, to know about that because we can, one of the things that, uh, Dina and I are doing with She Talks Peace, we want it to be a platform for the sharing of uh, experiences, um, encourage young, especially young people, young women to, you know, do their bit to be part of the Peace Builders Network. So we're trying to really uh, target more to join us as, uh, as we do our peace building so young women like you, a young, modern, Muslim woman, a graduate of the UP College of Law, uh, undoubtedly the best uh, college of law in the country, <laughs> right? Well. <laughs> right? And, and I know uh, that the, in uh, the College of Law, the women there, the students, uh, you know, they don't suffer, as my mom says, we don't suffer fools. Women give as good as uh, they receive. But Dina and I are wondering, <laughs> a young, modern Muslim uh, woman lawyer like you, you're now a member of the Bangsamoro Transition Authority. And there are only 16 of you who are women out of uh, 80. What's it like, Anna? Is it like being... An outsider of an old boys club. Can I just say before before answering the question, <laughs> that Dina, um, Tita Amina would know because her daughter was my friend. <laughs> so <laughs> she would know how very feisty um, a lot of the women, you know, products of that college of law uh, yeah. can. So um, is it a boys club? Is it hard to? Um, you know, situate yourself if you are not one of the boys. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really feel uh, that way. Um, I, I felt like, because I, I am not, uh, I didn't grow up in the region. Mm. I thought that was more the challenge, you know, understanding how everybody operated. But as a woman, I didn't feel like I was being judged less compared to, to my colleagues. 
I think uh, that I am not heard less because of that. In fact, um, even if there's only 16 of us, um, if you look at the profile of the women in the Bangsamoro Parliament in the BPA, a lot of us are lawyers, a lot of us mm. are engineers, uh, PhD holders, are experts in our various fields. So there's really a lot to um, take away from the voices that we that we share in the in the sessions in our committee meetings. So um, I didn't feel like it was an onerous task to be heard and to be part of the uh, transition authority. And thank God for that. Yeah. Oh. Dina, um, just, a, just a little bit about that. I guess it's also the personalities of the women who are in the BTA. They will suffer no fools. All of them will give yeah. as good as they receive. So yay, Dina. Yeah. Um, at the MPNA, um, of course, as a Malaysian, right? What I know about the Marawi situations, of course, from the newspaper and from Amina, I went to the Philippines, Manila, right? A few years ago, yeah. I mean, huh? maybe just two nights. So, mm. you know, um, I would like to know from your point of view, you, you've been monitoring the situation in Marawi. How has the conflict shaped the choices, the roles and opportunities for women living in the resettlement areas and in communities affected by violent conflict? Are the Maranao women beginning to feel restrictions in their rights? Is, uh, you know... Uh, violence against women becoming more common. Could you just tell us your observations? Yes, unfortunately, Dina, this is an area where uh, people, especially women, are no stranger to conflict. So we, this community has experienced it for years, for generations even. So even the Marawi siege is not uh, it's it's such a it's such a disturbance. It's such a a threat to the security of the women, but as a as a community, it's not a very um, isolated situation that it skews a lot of the you know the statistics that were mentioned by Tita Amina in the beginning. However, um, being in a state of you know perpetual threat of conflict is much much different from being in a state of displacement. Mm, so right. um, previous to this one. Marawi has not experienced war for a long, long time. Yeah. The generation that has experienced this, uh, this uh, violence four years ago, is uh, are, are, are strangers to that um, mm -hmm. to the dropping of air air bombs, to the yeah. you know the military might that they witnessed during that five month um, event. So uh, there are situations in the in the displacement sites or the shelters are, of course, uh, a, a very far departure from their norm. So we've heard um, stories or reports of um, gender-based violence when, um, you know, when you have even the bathroom facilities that they mm. had to share with strangers. Right. right. Keeping quarters where, um, where, where it's not um, very secure for, for women, especially young ones at that. So those were times that were, were very precarious for women. It's much improved because um, a lot of them have uh, have um, found alternative um, dwellings, but it's yeah. really not uh, something that we can be proud of at the moment. It's still four years of um, displacement, of uncertainty, 
And a lot of things can happen. Uh, economic, you know, economic disempowerment is so much prevalent at these times. I've uh, our office has met with widows whose husbands or uh, you know the heads of their families uh, right. have been missing or yeah. uh, have died. So right. those are those are problems that they have been carrying with them. The burdens of um, going on with life that they have carried with them since the conflict in Marawi um, disrupted their lives. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, been to, I've been to Marawi uh, several times before, before COVID and um, always visited the displacement uh, Uh, the, the camps of the IDPs and what uh, MP Anna is saying is absolutely right. Are, are women in BARM um, continuing to participate in decision-making and in politics, conflict resolution and transformation? Are you optimistic that this is going to continue? Right. I think Tita, uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very positive about the developments in the BARM when it comes to uh, women's participation. So not only do we have a commission for Bangsamoro women, which mm-hmm. focuses on this matter um, entirely, but you can also see uh, a lot of women in positions of decision-making and leadership. So, mm-hmm. right. Um, I, I don't need to look far that that, that I was entru- entrusted with uh, managing the Marawi rehabilitation program of the BARM. Condolences. A, <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> that, that means a lot more, you know, sleepless nights. But but that that privilege, that honor is something that, you know, is a mani- is a manifestation of the trust. That um, the leadership of the MILF is giving to women who perhaps demonstrate some level of, you know, capability in performing right. the task. So, in terms of the ministerial positions, we have the the usual, you know, the Ministry yeah. of Social Services and Development, but Science and Technology is also headed by yes. a, a woman minister. Yes. Our very technical, you know, the very sensitive position in the office of the chief minister. The like the chief legal counsel of our chief minister, the attorney general in the Bangsamoro, is also a woman. So yeah, and many other, you know, many other positions are held by 
women in the Bangsamoro government. Uh, but that's just on the government side. I think, uh, and Tita Amina will agree with me, that amongst the civil society, amongst the NGO, women play a significant role in, you know, in 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 societal participation. Right. So I, I don't see, you know, with this mix, with this mix of government, you know, public service participation, as well as civil society involvement. We we are seeing a the you know all of the ingredients for uh, a robust and an even more expansive and uh, ex and, and expanding uh, room for women's participation in the in the Bangsamoro. Oh, that's well, that's that sounds really good. Okay, um, MP Anna, um, I'm going to scoot for one minute. I'm in a public place, so I need to find something you know a little bit quiet, but. Before I scoot for that one minute, what are the challenges faced by Muslim women in Barm and the Philippines following the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban? Are we focusing too much about the fall of Afghanistan? Do you think rising fundamentalism might lead to more acceptance of violence against women as a cultural right of husbands, brothers, and fathers? Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting um, point of comparison. I think the cultural contexts are different. I, I'm mm. correct if I'm wrong, Tita Amina, but I don't mm -hmm. feel that we have the same, you know, context as Afghanistan. Even in this, in this, as I said, this is a this is an area that has not that there is no stranger to conflict, right? To emergence of you know conservatism, and um, I, I feel like there's. Uh, heavy grounding of the Muslim, the Islamic faith in in this area, but I also feel like that has not become a deterrent per se to women empowerment, and uh, you know as the only as the only ingredient to their lack of access. For me, it's more about the lack of opportunities, you know, mm -hmm. economic, academic, and all mm -hmm. of those things that you require really for women to play a more significant role in their society. That's what uh, we need to work on in the Bangsamoro. As a conflict-affected area for generations and for decades, um, we can only say, even despite the very positive outlook that we have and we've shared uh, a few moments ago, we can only, you know, cement that kind of um, place for women in society. If uh, intrinsically they are empowered, they don't have to um, think of uh, where their next meal is going to come from um, and, you know, focus on that only, but really um, think for the greater good of their societies. And that we can only do that if we have better, uh, we have more avenues and better opportunities for women in the Bangsamoro. So I think that's uh, that's the that's the difference between the what's happening in Afghanistan and in the Bangsamoro. You know, these sentiments, these um, these tendencies can come and go, but you know, the the grounding of of the Bangsamoro communities, especially its women, it's there, and the pride that the it's it's a boon and a bane, I mean, I think, mm -hmm. and that uh, a lot of the honor in of a society here in the Bangsamoro communities are placed on women. So um, it becomes I, I I I'm seeing now I'm realizing now the connection between the lower incidences of violence. Mm -hmm. Because we don't want to we don't want our honor which we mm. lodge 
up onto women to be destroyed by our own communities. Maybe that's why, or maybe uh, there are other factors. But it's also a bane because there's a lot of pressure on women in, in that sport. And that's also an opportunity or an opening for uh, violence inflicted upon them. Yeah. The reason that uh, Dina and I worry about um, the rise of the Taliban and uh, the impact on women is because, we, well, you know, our communities in Southeast Asia, we've always, always been so comfortable in the fact that uh, our communities are more pluralistic, moderate. The interpretation of Islam is more progressive. And it's been like that for generations. And uh, we are we don't find it strange to have women in leadership positions, whether in business or politics or, or any, any field. So the empowerment of women is homegrown. But Dina was mentioning to me um, a couple of episodes ago that after uh, the Taliban uh, won in, uh, in Afghanistan, you had uh, very uh, fundamentalist, uh, radical groups in Malaysia sending out congratulatory messages. And the worry really is that they will be now encouraged to start expounding on the more restrictive implementation and interpretation of uh, of Islam, we we really hope that because we have such strong women in the Bangsamoro Transition Authority, that this is not going to happen. And that we will be the gatekeepers and keep our space, you know, the way it was always meant to be. Inshallah. So I can also see in the communities the. You know, as you mentioned, it's hard to imagine any meeting where women will not speak, mm. even in in uh, subject matters, even in things where subject matters are more traditionally, you know, the sphere of men when it, com- when it comes to security and uh, like this um, settlement of conflict. There's always uh, a crucial and critical role being played by women in this in these communities we have in the Bangsamoro. So I, I hope with you that it doesn't um, trickle down, that um, that danger to women's participation does not trickle down to the southern Philippines. And um, not just the Bangsamoro government, I think it's the whole of community will, will make sure that that doesn't happen. The, the people in the Bangsamoro are so accustomed mm. to have a mix a healthy mix of, of genders in the conversations that we have in the decision makings that we that we undertake. So we won't be the only gatekeepers in the BTA. I think it's the entire Bangsamoro community that will that will really uh, those that will really feel the impact of that kind of a restriction. They will be uh, more than uh, um, passionate about um, safeguarding this this uh, statue stature that we have in our society. And uh, thank goodness that we also have uh, national gatekeepers, uh, the Commission on Human Rights, the Supreme Court. Um, It seems the Supreme Court uh, of the Philippines launched an 18-day campaign of its own to end violence against women. And they dubbed it One Billion Rising. I wonder why One Billion? 
There are only a little over 100 million Filipinos. But anyway, <laughs> the, the theme is uh, violence against women, free communities. Start with me. I like that. So that every individual, every citizen has uh, a role to play. And they urge everyone to pursue a common vision of a community free from, um, from violence against women and girls. And the Commission on Human Rights also has its own initiatives to uh, work on this issue of uh, violence against women and gender-based violence. And uh, guess what, uh, Mpiana? We have somebody from your neck of the woods, from Mindanao, joining us uh, because you know they would also like to share uh, what what is being done and what's doable. So we. We have joining us Attorney R.B. Arquiza, and uh, he's from Sambuanga City. He's uh, with the Region 9 Office of the Commission on Human Rights. He's the chief of the uh, legal uh, division, and he's the point person for children, uh, persons with disability, and international humanitarian law. Welcome, Attorney RB. Hello, good afternoon. Po. Hi. Good afternoon, so, so tell us, Attorney RB, what is CHR doing to help end violence against women and uh, gender-based violence, particularly in, in areas of conflict? Uh, uh, in general, ma'am, uh, our office, no? uh, particularly our promotional division, uh, are continuing in working to strengthening uh, the educational and promotional campaign. Uh, and they are also strengthening our networks with uh, CSOs and other agencies. Uh, we have built up uh, many partnerships with several CSOs. No? Uh, to con uh, we also conduct uh, dialogues and caravans. Um, likewise, our uh, region, uh, we have this uh, some somewhat unique program um, mm. for uh, in promoting rights of women. Um, we we called it, or our promotional division called it, we men, as in we comma and then men uh -huh. comma defenders of women's human rights. Oh, that's uh, good. Why? Why is that so? No, because our promotional uh, promotional division consists of our uh, our division chief, which is a man, a man, and his uh, partner, our trainee specialist, is also a man. So they are only two. So, and in their program, uh, they are the ones who give lectures. And then the participants are usually men, which uh, could be the husband or the partners of women. So that that's why the title or the the theme of the program is "We Men Defenders of Human Rights." That's pretty cool, Attorney RB. I think that's the initiative of our of our promotional division. <laughs> Is that only for Region 9 or are you doing it in other regions in Mindanao as well? 
Uh, on my knowledge, ma'am, I think we it's only for Region 9. Uh, as the, I do not have any information on the actual or specific projects of other regions. Huh. What do you think, MP Anna? Is that um, is that something that barm men would also be willing to do? I mean, start an educational campaign for we men, defenders of women's rights. You know, uh, Tita Amina, I don't think that's going to be uh, uh, something that they will resist. Mm. They are. They are. Uh, duty bound as the other half of the population to protect the the first half. So you know um, that's something we can also give it a, give a try in the Bangsamoro. I think. By the way, um, is there collaboration between the Commission on Human Rights and uh, the Bangsamoro Transition um, Authority on on not just this but on so many? issues because we are conflict uh, affected i know i know mp anna that uh, we already have a barm uh, regional commission on on human rights but has chr uh, gone to bta itself and you know work on you know lobby for legislation that would secure um human rights in in areas of conflict you know, Tita, um, before, even before the creation of the BARM, the former chair of the CHR, the late Tito Gascon, mm. was a key player in the negotiations. Right. So right. Uh, he was also a government panel member. Uh, we worked with him during especially the final stretch of the peace agreement and particularly the power sharing annex where we find the sharing of, you know, of jurisdictions between the national government and the Bangsamoro government. And even then, um, there was already a lot of collaboration between the CHR, then headed by uh, uh, Mameta Rosales mm -hmm. and the Regional Human Rights Council. So now that the Bangsamoro Human Rights Commission or the BHRC is in existence and we're looking at pursuing the transitional justice component of the peace agreement, uh, a, a matter that is uh, heavily human rights um, centered. So I, I think I, I foresee a lot of discussions between the BHRC and the CHR, mainly because a transitional justice when it comes to Bangsamoro as an as a people affected by conflict, including the non-Moro IPs, including the settler communities that have been impacted by the conflict, they reach beyond the region. So it's not just the BHRC or mm. the Bangsamoro Human Rights Commission that will play a critical role. It's the CHR, including Region Nine, where uh, yeah. where ma many Moro communities can be found. And the other, you know, adjacent areas uh, to the Bangsamoro region, they will. Uh, there will be a lot of uh, areas of convergence and collaboration in the future on this particular issue alone, transitional justice, and what more um, with the developing and emerging and, and evolving, you know, human rights uh, situation in our country. Yeah, there's one particular. Um... Uh, area uh, that Dina is also interested in, uh, you know, the um, the women who have been 
maybe forced by circumstance or forced by families to go as migrants, illegal migrants to Sabah. And then they're, they're kicked out by the Malaysian government. And they come back and there are centers for them and the violence. Uh, I mean, they've suffered violence in Malaysia. And I'm just wondering what um, CHR uh, Region 9 is doing about that and whether this, is, this has made it you know, to the radar screen of BARM uh, also. Has, uh, what's, what's going on, Attorney Arby, in the CHR9 um, with regards to these um, people returning from Sabah? What I know, ma'am, is what we are doing is if there are refugees or they are, they are sent back here or to Sabuanga, or mainly they are sent here because it's the nearest uh, even though they are not from Sambuanga, no? right. even they yeah. are from Manila and other yeah. parts. Yeah. So what what our office is doing is we we document we document them and we continue to monitor their situations. Uh, actually, we have uh, assigned a focal person for for them. Uh, so uh, I'm not just really. Uh, particular no, with what what is the specific status right now, but we are constantly monitoring them. If there are batches coming in, or even though even before they will arrive, uh, we already have information. Uh, uh, I'm sure it came from our partners or even the cent our central office. So. Even though even before they arrive, we already have our personnel waiting for them. So, so they document. Yes, ma'am. Usually yeah. that's what happened. Or even sometimes we go to to the shelter where are they being housed. And um, attorney Arby, basically about how some women have come to Sabah, you know. Uh, of course, to look for a job and all, but they also marry local men, Sabah and men. Um, and then, you know, in that situation, they have families with their husbands, but at the same time, they also want to go back to the Philippines and they don't have these documents, you know, to verify their marriages, they verify who they are. How does the Philippine government deal with that? Oh, that's a, that's a very complicated topic. And I don't know yes. if uh, CHR or even BARM really has a, a grip on, on that. Anna, in, in the Bangsamoro Transition Authority, has that issue ever, ever come up? What do you do with women like, like uh, what uh, Dina has mentioned? Uh, actually, Tita Amina, what you said was correct. Um, in the... Even in the law that created bar, you know, foreign affairs was reserved to the national mm -hmm. government. And so I only know this because I've yeah. I'm friends with somebody in the Philippine embassy in Malaysia. So uh, this is something that the Department of Foreign Affairs of the Philippines is um, closely monitoring. Um, I also know that here in the Bangsamoro, there are families who 
who's um next generation are already in Saba. They as mm. as Ina, you know, described, they have families there already, their right. children are already Malaysians. And um uh it's 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 not gonna be a very uh cut and dried situation. Um just granting them the status of um, being legals in the in Saba and all of those. In terms of assistance, on the other hand, um, Barb is no stranger to displacements from Saba. I, I, mm-hmm. I know for a fact that in the height of the pandemic, there were um, cases of returns in the island provinces from from these neighboring countries, particularly in Saba and their their health requirements you know of quarantining and the provisions during that period was provided by barm so there's um in any any displacement when when there's uh, official government action that um eases out communities you know by the hundreds people in saba and Send, sending them back quote unquote to to Mindanao, let, let's say. Uh it's something that the BARM or even the previous arm has already handled. And it's a problem that we also encounter. It's a concern that we also encounter even up to now. So uh I agree with attorney RB that um and Tita Amina that it's a very complex issue. There's uh it there's uh it's more than just the people that are involved there's the issue about you know the, the saba you know jurisdiction mm. the and malaysia so it's a it's a very uh uh not a very cut and dried um okay yeah issue which uh, which reminds me um saba has always been a very thorny issue yeah in the, uh, yeah, in the peace talks. Hey, by the way, Dina, I'm one of the heirs to Saba. So yes. be, be nice to me, Dina. Yes, yes. <laughs> but but what I wanted to ask uh, MP Anna, when when you were doing the negotiations, uh, did the issue of Saba ever come into play? Because this is this is a concern, not just because of the proprietary rights or the sovereign rights, but it's because of the hundreds of thousands of uh, Filipinos who are, as Dina called them, irregular migrants in Saba with no protection. So our women, our children are there. They can be based, they can be subjected to, to violence and there's nothing to be done because they're illegal so they can't and they won't go to the authorities. So you know, uh, after the fact, did you ever talk about Saba during the negotiations? Tita, you know, uh, we were in KL. <laughs> the facilitator <laughs> were Malaysians. No, but uh, it comes up uh, often. Mm. I, I think it, it's not it's not a negotiating position. Mm. Uh, it would it would be wrong to negotiate between Filipinos about yes. what to do with Saba. It's a matter that's a discussion between the Philippines and. Mm-hmm. Malaysian authorities. But knowing that we're discussing the Bangsamoro community as a whole, which includes um, even those that are now located in Sabah, most of them are Bangsamoro as well. Uh, It comes up uh, every every once in a while, but it's not uh, something that we can, that was, that that anything was decided on decisively. Principally because it was not the 
the the negotiating parties were not the proper uh it wasn't the proper venue for making any um um final um arrangement on or discussion even on saba yeah i i mentioned that because um mnlf chair Nurmi Swari always uh, talked about the importance of Saba being part of any uh, negotiation with the government. They wanted government right to stand firmly behind the, mm-hmm. the sovereign claim of the Sultanate of Sulu uh, yeah. to on on, on uh, Saba. But um, well, that's a topic for another day because that's this. So yeah. many complications. Oh, yes. The bit is the one that that affects our uh, our uh-huh. irregular irregular migrant migrants. But but really, while we have attorney RB here, what is CHR uh, in collaboration, perhaps with the Department of Social Welfare? What are you doing uh, with regards to the like trauma healing or rehabilitation of this? women, uh, particularly from Saba, who are coming back traumatized after being you know, subjected to all kinds of uh, violence, whether it's physical, psychological, or, or emotional. Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, I'm sorry, ma'am, no, I cannot answer you specifically. Uh, but I know uh, the our CSWD and DSWD are are doing all the necessary uh, rehabilitation. Um, CHR kasi is more focused on documentation and the legal aspect, whether mm-hmm. uh, in filing criminal complaint or whatsoever. Um, however, uh, if there are cases naman na that needs to be uh, referred to the SWD, we do so. Uh, we We... Uh, forward it to them, uh, recommend them to conduct uh, the necessary um, necessary what we call this <laughs> procedure or the program uh, that they they do in rehabilitating these women. Uh, also earlier, ma'am, I I would like to just share regarding the undocumented uh, women yes. and children. Yes. Um, I think that's um, uh, early 2019, siguro. No? It started, uh, we have a program, our IDP monitor no? in partnership with uh, UNHCR, kasi yung funded by UNHCR, mm-hmm. uh, in partnership with uh, our local civil registrar, the public attorney's office, and even DSWD. Uh, they conducted the mass registration of undocumented mm-hmm. children. Um, inclu- uh-huh. Included... Siguro there are children born in Malaysia, which uh-huh. they do not have birth certificates. Uh, oh. Because if they do birth, they do have birth certificates from Malaysia, it is recognized among here in the Philippines. So uh, usually we catered all those undocumented children. Um, many were given their birth certificates already. So that's also one uh, project we have here. In partnership with several offices. Yeah, so so the issue of statelessness. Yes, so you ma'am. Can, you can never have a child born a Filipino, at least one Filipino parent, uh, becoming stateless. Yes. 
that's yeah, that's that's quite important, Dina. I mean, if the yes, Malaysian yes. government will not recognize, why don't they recognize this, Dina? The you know yes, the uh, the fact that they're born there or maybe born to one Malaysian parent. How come these kids will not be know. recognized? We have a new NGO called uh, you know uh, Family Frontiers that's actually arguing for this. You know mm -hmm. about especially Malaysian women. Who are you know married to foreign nationals? Yeah. But I, I believe, and I cannot speak on behalf of them. We should actually invite them mm -hmm. to talk about this. You know, I don't know the real details about this. It could be patriarchy, where you know we believe that the man, if you marry a man, especially a Muslim man, is the head of the family. Hence, the legality resides on his position as a husband. Yeah. Uh, I am not too sure about this, but this is something we should discuss. Because it has affected many, many. Let's not even talk about Filipino women marrying local men, right? Yeah. We even have refugees, like the Rohingya refugees, you know. When you're desperate, you, you do what you have to do, who are married to locals. Mm -hmm. And the marriages are not recognized. There's a lot of people who are stateless. When I volunteered many, many years ago, I met, I met many, many Sabahan children mm -hmm. whose parents, because they're not educated, didn't have the papers. And they were yeah. So it's a long, contentious thing. I would love to bring, you know, Attorney RB and MP Anna to speak to Family Frontiers. You know, perhaps we can do another, uh, you know, uh, podcast about this because it would be really fantastic to discuss this. Now, Sabah, yeah. Yes. You will need four episodes just for Sabah. Oh, yeah. And this is very don't, important. Don't you think, Dina? <laughs> no, it is important. It's something we have to need. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Look, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but guess what? It's 201. <laughs> now, our podcast feel long. They're all like, what? Is <laughs> that means. <laughs> Never enough time. Never enough time. But, I mean, uh, let's take this, you know. Perhaps we can get the attorney, RB, and uh, I'll try to get someone from uh, Family Frontiers. Mm -hmm. I'll try to get someone from Suhakam. So it'll be like a maybe, maybe we should do a two hour podcast or one and a half hour podcast where everyone talks and yeah. say look what are we going to do here but but before we go i'd love to ask uh, our member of parliament anna basman to give a message to those who are listening how how can they support um, peace building what is it what's the role that can be played by young men and and women and also attorney arby um give some encouragement to all of those by the way uh, anna a majority of those who are listening to us are under 35 we even have about 13 percent who are under 17 years old wow so it's it's pretty cool so mm -hmm. your your message to them mp anna it's a very uh that's a very refreshing news, Tita Amina and Dina. Um, when I started in the, you know, peace building track, uh, I was in my early 20s and I really didn't feel like I was, uh, it was going to be something that I would pursue, you know, even after more than a decade. But it's a very worthwhile endeavor. It's something that doesn't go out of style, I should yeah. say. And even, you know, countries where you don't see 
conflict as, as, as apparent as ours or in other countries as well. Um, there's a lot to be gained from being involved in peace building and peacemaking. And my only message is um, let's not allow our youth or our um, gender to be a hindrance. It shouldn't be because it isn't. Um, voices as diverse as the community should be heard and uh, should be made part of something as extraordinary, as important as peace building. So we, we play a role and it's upon us to, to claim that. Um, circumstances might not make it easy for us, but that's part of the challenge, I think. And that's part of, you know, making it more, um, uh, more of an accomplishment that we are able to pursue this despite the odds. That's, I think, my message to the 35 and younger um, um, listeners of our podcast. Thank you, MP Anna. How about you, Attorney Arby? What's, what's your message for our listeners? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yes, ma'am. Uh, to our listeners, uh, I just want to give a short message. No, uh, I uh, my message is uh, know your rights, stand up for your rights, fight for the rights of others, regardless of age sex, race, religion, etc. So I guess that's all. We men. Yes. Right? <laughs> yep. Champion, okay. champion talaga si attorney RB. We men. What do you think, Dina? Oh, yeah, we should actually. <laughs> that I think that should become the topic of another conversation. Mm-hmm. Men fighting for women's rights. And right. how do we how do we bring them over to join Attorney RB Arkisa and the Commission on, on Human Rights? Yeah. Oh. So I thank uh, our uh, Minister of the Bangsamoro, our Member of Parliament of the Bangsamoro Transition Authority, Anna Tarhata Basman, who's looking very cool and collected in spite of the tremendous pressures on her, given the fact that she's not just working on legislation, but she's also overseeing Marawi rehabilitation. Oh my goodness. And um, thank, uh, thanking Attorney R.B. Arkisa of uh, the Commission on Human Rights uh, in Region 9 for all that they do to support the cause, never-ending cause of uh, peace in our communities, peace building and conflict transformation and the protection of our human rights. Thank you so much to both of you. And we hope that we can join us again and uh, uh, talk to our listeners from all over the world 
as uh, on our She Talks piece. So this yeah. is uh, Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying thank you to everyone. And my co-host, Dina. Hi, well, me again. And it was fantastic. As I said, as I say at every, you know, podcast, time passes so fast. I'm very, very thankful to our speakers today, Amina. I learned a lot. Uh, I'm very inspired by their work. And I'll follow up with you when we do our brainstorming session about having a proper panel come podcast with players from Malaysia on this, on Sabah. I think four podcasts would be just great. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And okay. before and before we end, I have got to get the commitment of um, Member of Parliament Anna Tarhata Basman to have a chat on the anti-terror law. <laughs> because I read what she said about the anti-terror law and I think we should have another conversation about that. And I'm sure the Commission on Human Rights also wants to have another conversation about that. So thank you so much for, for joining us. Terima kasih. Thank you. Thank you, Tita Amina. Terima kasih, Dina. <laughs> yeah. Bye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.